make sure that, uh, that if we can't be here in person, that we're here in spirit and that we're watching on Facebook Live. So we are in a sermon series called Catch-22. And you and I both know that there are times in life where we find ourselves maybe in a Catch-22 situation. Uh, we don't know whether to turn to the right or turn to the left. We, we look at something and it, it, it may seem to be a conundrum or a conflict. And so what we're doing on Sunday mornings is looking at the Catch-22s of faith and looking at the Catch-22s uh, that we sometimes will we'll have to think through and pray through. Here's the catch 22 for you, and this is our focus today. If you aren't ready to die, then you aren't ready to live. I want you to think about that for a moment. Just think about that statement. Allow, allow your heart and your mind to process that fully. If you aren't ready to die, then you aren't ready to live. It's a catch-22, and in fact, let me just tell you this. When you are prepared for death, when you are ready to face eternity, then it makes the way that you live, and it makes your life take on a whole new meaning, purpose, and plan. There are many people who aren't truly living because they aren't ready to die. Yet, one in one dies. <laughs> it's the great equalizer. It, uh, death affects the rich. It affects the poor. It affects the black. It affects the white. It affects all colors and all shades and all hues. Death is, it, it, it is the great equalizer. One in one die. And yet there are many people that are not prepared to step into eternity. There are many people that aren't ready to die, and so therefore they're not fully living. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's the catch-22, that if you're not prepared to cross over and face the afterlife, then you really aren't living the life that God has set for you today in the here and now. This is a huge thing that over the centuries of mankind that, that men and, and women have pondered and have really given a lot of thought to, and there's a lot of fear. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the number one fears that people face is the fear of death. Uh, number two, which this has always weirded me out, is public speaking. <laughs> so number one is death. That seems like a, you know, an eternal uh, uh, consequence. But public speaking really makes that many people scared. Uh, I, I guess just for some of us, it's just one of those things that we don't even think about. Number three is, is uh, heights, the fear of heights. Amen. You know, so, some of you are, 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 are crazy enough to jump out of a perfectly, fly, uh, perfectly fine designed airplane at 30,000 feet. Jump out of a plane. I, I don't understand that. I, I, I don't get it. But uh, fear of heights apparently is one of those major phobias that people have. But listen, this, this fear of death, fear of dying, is something that affects people of all ages. Uh, I think it's probably true that as we get older, we start thinking about it more often. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, I've told you that joke before about toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> For many people, when they get towards that, that end of life, it seems like life just passes you by. It, it is true. Now. Uh, you know, sometimes it just, things just, uh, just happen at such a fast pace. 
Well, I want us today to kind of get our minds and, and hearts right on this idea of the afterlife and this idea of death. You might have heard about the tombstone that read, Paul, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Comes on a headstone. And so somebody noticed that and said, hmm. So they took out a little sheet of paper and wrote a note in response and put it there on the headstone. And their note said, to follow you, I'll not consent until I know which way you went. <laughs> if you're following somebody, you need to know where they're going. Amen? If you're following someone, you need to know what direction they're taking you in. You need to know where they're going if you're following them. Death is that great equalizer. Before you, you truly live and live and you're hitting on all cylinders and your life has meaning and purpose, you need to settle once and for all where you're going for eternity. And when you have that peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, and you know where you're going when you die, then it'll make the way you live different. A person that is born again lives different, and they actually live with the end in mind. I don't know how often you think about this, but I, I hope a lot. I hope that when you're making decisions, I hope that you think about the end of that decision. Like, in other words, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do something, or if I'm gonna make a decision, don't just look at how it affects you right then, but think about how it will affect you tomorrow, how it will affect you next week, how it will affect you uh, next year, how it will affect you in the, etern in the eternity. Isn't that something that a lot of times the, the bad decisions we make, we were only thinking of the moment. We were only thinking of that instant gratification. We were only thinking of right then. But a Christian... One that is born again should live with the end in mind. And that everything that we do in the here and now, it, it has an influence on others around us, and it influences their eternity, and it influences people, not just today, but in the future. And so as you think about that this morning, go ahead and open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're going to look at what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, when you found your place, if you please stand in reverence of the reading of God's word. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. This is what it says in God's word. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm going to say that one again. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, help us to live with the end in mind. Help us to no longer live according to the flesh but that we would live in the Spirit and according to the Spirit. I pray, God, that every person here and everyone watching on social media or watching later or listening later would truly think about where they will spend eternity. 
Eternity is a long time to be wrong. And God, I know that if we'll settle once and for all where we will go when we die, it'll actually affect the way we live. Our outlook will change. Our perspective will change. Our attitude will be different. So help us today. Speak to us through the Holy Spirit, through your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul said there that we've got to die to self. We've got to die. We've got to crucify that flesh and no longer live for instant gratification and no longer live based on how it feels right here, right now. But think about the end of that decision. Think about the end. Think about what you're doing and what effect it will have, not just now, not just in the temporal. Living by faith. And because of that, when you live by faith instead of by flesh, you think about what Jesus did for you. And when you live with the idea in mind of, of what Jesus was willing to give up, he gave up heaven. He gave up heaven. He, he, he left heaven to come and here, be here. And he lived, walked, and, and, and was on this earth and has suffered the things that we deal with and struggle with. He faced those temptations. Though he was tempted in every way, though he did not fall for it. Uh, he, he faced this, the same life that you and I face. And he was willing to take all that on him who knew no sin. And he became our sacrifice. And so with that in mind, when I think about what Jesus was willing to give up, when I think about what Jesus was willing to leave to come and be a sacrifice for me, it should change the way I live. And when I think about what he did to make my admission into heaven possible, to give me heaven, to give me forgiveness, mercy, and grace, and when I think about that and I think about what the, the end of my life will look like, it, 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 won't, be, it won't be a conflict it, it, it won't be uh, a lot of anxiety, and it won't be a lot of, uh, you know, angst. Listen, as, as both a pastor, as a chaplain for a number of years, I have been on accident scenes, and I have been at the bedside, and I've held family members and loved ones' hands and church members, church family. I have been there during those moments. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating. There is a difference. Not just anecdotal, but I'm giving you evidence. There is a difference at that bedside or in that situation where someone knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you watch them. I've observed it. I have seen the moment of transition. And it is different for one who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and has settled where they're going to spend eternity. There is a difference between that bedside, between that situation, and the situation of the one who did not make that decision and does not know. I've been at both. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of confusion, a lot of turmoil at the bedside of one who didn't make a decision right then, had maybe rejected, had maybe heard the truth, heard the gospel, had it presented to them, been given opportunity. I'm not talking about finding some aborigine in the middle of Australia. I'm talking about people right here in the South that have passed. They didn't have that peace that surpasses all understanding, and it was a different hospital room. I've seen it. It's not something I would want on any of you. 
to have to watch your family member face that without that peace. Now, having said that, that means that you and I should be doing a better job if we truly care for these people, if we truly care for our friends, if we truly care for our family members, and we don't want to be there during that time of confusion and anxiety when they transition and they don't know, then that means that while you have opportunity, while it is still day, you should have been telling them how they can die with peace, how they can know where they're going to spend eternity, and therefore it won't be that high anxiety bedside of one who transitions without knowing Christ. Look at, flip a few pages perhaps in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5 and 24. Galatians 5 and 24. It'll change the way you live. Galatians 5 and 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified the flesh. You, you put to death those selfish desires and, and always having to be right and always having to have it your way right away. You put that to death because that is not the life of a born-again believer. A born-again believer lives with joy. And here's the best acronym for joy. Are you ready? Jesus, others, then you. Jesus first, others, then you. A Christian sacrifices, puts to death that flesh. They're no longer the one that it always has to be about. They put to death that flesh. When we live that way, then our lives obviously are different. So now I'll flip over to Philippians chapter 1. And verse 21, Philippians 1 and 21, just a few pages perhaps in your Bible there, Philippians. Philippians 1 and 21. For me, think about what Paul's saying here. <laughs> For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. So when you're born again, you live different. You live with the end in mind, and then you know this. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, if you've ever invested money before, I don't care if you've invested a nickel. If you've ever made an investment before, you want there to be a return on your investment. You want to reap a dividend, right? So think about this. When a Christian dies, look at the dividends that they reap. Look at the return on that investment. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, and because you accepted his sacrifice, you received what? You received a great, great return on your investment. You said, Jesus, come into my heart, and he said, forgive him. You said, Jesus, come into my heart, and he said, you're coming to heaven when you die. Think about that return on the investment. Think about those dividends. Heaven, that's what you receive. <coughs> It ought to change the way you live when you know what Jesus did for you and when you know where you're going when you pass. Living for Christ is a great way to live, and then death is no longer to be feared. It's no longer to be feared for those who are in Christ, because think about it. We go, we go and be with Jesus, and then we get all the perks of heaven. And I tell you what, it frustrates me to no end to hear these these reports on what these politicians get. You know, they get their salary. Isn't it nice? You get to vote on your own pay raise. 
And that must be nice. I think I'll be the very right. But these politicians, they not only get their salary, they not only get an office, they not only get office furnishings, they not only get a staff, but I look at all the perks that they receive. They've got lobbyists that are beckoning and calling on them day and night. Hey, you want a trip to a resort? We need you to vote on this bill. Yeah, hey, Big Pharma shows up and they want to influence legislation in the halls of Congress and so they sponsor vacations and trips and, and tours and all the perks that these politicians get. Those perks that they get pale in comparison to the perks that a born-again believer receives when they cross over from this side to the afterlife. The beauty and perfection of paradise. Heaven. You know, when I try and think about heaven, no movie, no work of art, no, no book that I've ever read has been able to fill in the gaps because there's just so much about heaven that is truly indescribable. There's so much about God that is just totally indescribable because of who he is and what he is. But there are times where I, I try and allow my mind to, to go there. But, but can I just tell you the best part about heaven? It wouldn't even be the Crystal City. It wouldn't even be the Streets of Gold. It wouldn't even be all the colors and high definition, so vivid, so sharp that you're going to see. It wouldn't even be the angels singing. It wouldn't be the, the sounds of this beautiful chorus of angels praising God. It wouldn't be any of that. Do you know the best part? The best part about heaven is that's where Jesus is. And that's why it's called heaven. Because that's where God is. And then here's a side benefit to heaven. Your loved ones that knew Jesus Christ there, you're welcome to know. There, you're welcome to know. And they've been waiting on you. And they receive you and greet you with all the excitement as if they, didn't, they hadn't seen you since last Christmas. <laughs> Think about that reunion, being in God's presence and then seeing your loved one who knew Jesus. I can't even imagine. When we're ready to die, then we're ready to live. The best thing a pastor can do, the best thing a pastor can do is to tell you how to get to heaven and then give you a peace and a confidence on your way there. That's the best thing. Listen, a pastor's like a tour guide. He tells you about the place. He tells you how to get there. He And, and hopefully he... He speaks with an authority and a confidence. The best part about a, being a pastor is I get to tell people how to get to heaven, and then I hopefully build in you a peace and a confidence about getting there. You might have heard about that new pastor who came to a small town, a little country church, and uh, well, the deacon took him aside and said, listen, I know you're brand new here and you don't know a lot, but, but uh, we have a field where we bury the indigent, those that cannot afford a funeral, and those that cannot afford a burial. And there was a man right before you came to our church who just died a couple of days ago, and they're burying him out in what we call Potter's Field. And so, uh, preacher, if you don't mind, every other pastor that's ever been here goes out there to Potter's Field. There's not going to be any family members. There's not going to be any friends. He was indigent and didn't have any loved ones. But if you just go out there, 
uh, and, and pray over the grave. The grave diggers will probably be there if you'll just pray. That's what we generally do as a custom right here in this small town. And the preacher said, man, I'd be honored to do that. Uh, where, where's Potter's Field at? He said, well, you go off the highway and you take the first left blacktop. And when you get on that blacktop, then you take the first right gravel road. And you'll look out there in the field and probably see the grave diggers out there. He said, okay, I think I can do this. So sure enough, he got in his car. He got turned around. He was new to town. He didn't know one thing. He, he's on the black piece. He said, black top, he said, gravel. So all of a sudden, he's driving down the road, and he sees these two men out in the field. He said, there it is. And he could tell they had shovels. So he went out there and parked his car, and he met them out in the field. And they kind of looked at him, and he looked at them, and he just kind of nodded. And they did like men do. He just kind of nodded. And so he said, should we begin? And they said, oh, okay, all right. And he took his Bible out. Man, he went through Genesis to Psalms and Proverbs and got to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Acts of the Apostles. He read some from Ephesians, some from Philippians. And then he got all the way to Revelation. And man, he was just preaching it. Woo! Those old guys were just standing there just looking around. And, and then he looked at them and said, let's pray. And so they took their caps off. And boy, he prayed a most eloquent, beautiful prayer about passing and about life and death and about heaven and hell. And when he was done, he said, in Jesus' name, amen. And those old boys said, amen. And he said, all right, thank y'all. He went and walked back to his car and got in his car and started to drive off. One of those old guys looked at the other one and said, what in the world just happened? And he said, buddy, listen to me. I've been digging sewer lines for 20 years, and I have never had a preacher preach over one and pray over one. This one's going to be a good sewer line right here. <laughs> you know, for the Christian, we ought to be able to laugh at our life. We ought to be able to laugh at a funeral. Because for a Christian, it is not goodbye. It is, I'll see you later. And see, we ought to have the right perspective and, and not feel uncomfortable when we talk about death because one and one die, it's real. But we ought to be able to approach it with a confidence and with a peace and even with humor. See, I'm not scared of death. Not scared of death. I, 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 I get concerned sometimes about my loved ones and my family and them being left behind, but I'm not, I'm not scared of death. And I don't want you to be scared of death. And I don't want people that you care about to be scared of death. I want you to have a confidence and a peace because that's what it's all about. There should be laughter and rejoicing at a Christian funeral. I love this right here. Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Don't you come to my funeral singing the blues. You better sing Elvis gospel and spread the good news. <laughs> One day, probably won't be a newspaper, but newspapers are a dying thing. But one day you're going to see an obituary online or bless God, somebody will post it on Facebook. And it'll have some goofy formal picture of me. And it'll say, Chad Mills has died. But I got news for you. It's a lie. Right. 
when you read that, I will be more alive than I've ever been. When you read that I was born on April 5th, 1976, and I died at some date in the future, here's what you need to know. That date after the dash, that's the day I inherited heaven. Don't cry. Don't be sad. Don't you be bleed. You say, wow. Think about what he's doing. Think about what he's doing. And then listen to me. For those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I hope that I get the privilege and the honor of being on your welcome committee. I look forward to it. It's never goodbye. It's all through you later. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy.